Chicago. This is your morning routine. Listen, respect my name. Cap and J Hood. That's right. That's right. We're bad. Uh, uh, uh. Watch the show on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Stream the show on the ESPN Chicago app and on FM 100.3 HD2 and on ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, now, now. David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. Good morning, everyone. Everyone. This is Bears Monday. Here comes the clone. Bears lead. Four on third down. Empty spread. Here comes pressure from Clark. They find more. Left at the 40. First down and more. 30. More. Spun down inside the 20. And the Bears are in the Packers red zone. Snap and a play fake to Herbert. Back to throw field. Sets it. Guns it over the middle. Caught. Equinemius St. Brown. Inside the 30-yard line. And a first down to the Packer 26. Jordan Love takes the snap. Fakes the handoff. Love motioning right. Got to keep. And he's going to run through it. Defend the ball comes out yes. and recovered by Brisker in Bears territory. It was popped out of there. Jordan Love on the turnover. Snap to Love. Looking. Pocket starts to close. They've got a hand on him. And down he goes. A big third down sack. And it's Demarcus Walker. Love takes the final snap as the teams meet. And this will end the ball game. The final ticks of the 2023 season here at the start of 2024. It started with a loss to the Packers in Chicago. It ends with another loss. Here comes the ball. ball. Right here on the home of the Bears, ESPN 1000, the Bears lose to the Packers 17-9. And oh God, welcome in to a Bears Monday here on ESPN 1000. And we're streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. We have Shay, we've got Jay Moore, we got you for a three-hour ride with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our telephone number. Lots of breakdown, not just for this game against the Packers, but also the 7-10 and 10 outfit in Lake Forest as they lose to the Packers. But, Cap, before we really get started here, I want to know about... Your time in Green Bay, first time at Lambeau Field, be able to see the Bears and Packers, one of the best and oldest rivalries in sports, now, let alone the National Football League. What was the experience like for you? Look, you're talking to a guy who was raised to despise everything about the Green Bay Packers. I got to be honest, it was an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. They're classy. They're very nice. They're good people. They they know that they have our number. They know they're going to beat our ass all the time. That's 10 straight. Matt LaFleur is 10 and freaking 0 against the Bears. But from the time we got up there to the Tundra Trio, which is the houses right outside the stadium that our company owns, and they have a big tailgate going, it, it's incredible to walking into the stadium and coming up it was much like the first time I walked into Wrigley, and I came up the stairs. I could still remember it. I was a little kid, and I looked out. I was just left of uh, home plate, and I'm like, this place is amazing you with saw- the ivy and the green grass and yeah. all of it. I was going to say, you went, walked in, and it's like, wow, the grass is green. Yeah. Unlike the black and white TV you would watch them on. Correct. <laughs> and so yesterday, I'm with my friend's. My wife, Mindy, and my friends, Mike and Lori, and Mike's filming me as I'm walking in the ramp. And I'm going, all right, here we go. Game on. Uh Let's go. And I look. I'm like, wow, this place is pretty cool. And then you get in there, and it is super cool. And it makes it even harder to stomach. We stood for the entire experience. Never sat on my seat, ever. Nobody does. They all stand. And if you sit, you're not going to be able to see the game. You're not going to go, excuse me, could you sit in front? No, that's not happening. So we stood. It, the weather was magnificent for January the 7th. And we're not good enough on so many levels. And this is just fact. This is not me being a hater. This is not me coming out with a hot take. This is just Fact, having watched this team for 17 games, following every single thing they do from being at training camp to driving back and getting home at midnight last night. We have the fourth best quarterback in the division, assuming Kirk Cousins is still with Minnesota. That's a fact. The best quarterback in the division, and it's not close, is Jordan Love. 
Jordan Love threw for 4,100 yards and 32 or 33 touchdowns. That kid made a throw yesterday, backpedaling between two defenders for a touchdown. He's a star. Jared Goff, enough said he was the number one overall pick. He took one team to the Super Bowl. He's taking the Lions to the playoffs. He's not great, but he's pretty damn good. And Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Our offensive line was a sieve yesterday. Nate Davis, I saw him hobbling off the field and went, oh, God. And Tevin Jenkins had his worst game as a pro. He was terrible yesterday. Kenny Clark, the game wrecker in the middle, who Yurko has talked glowingly about, is now 15-0 lifetime against the Chicago Bears. He's unblockable in there by our guys. We had Dan Feeney at center. Not good enough. So there is a ton of work to do. Well, Cap, can we get Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowers? Hmm. I never heard of Dontavian Wicks until this year. I never heard of Bo Melton until yesterday. Jaden Reed. They don't have big-time receivers. Their best receiver, arguably, is Christian Watson. He didn't even dress. Their other good back, A.J. Dillon, he didn't even play. Aaron Jones ran it down our freaking throat. Our defense looked like a sieve. There's a big difference when that's Tyler Taylor Heineke or um, Brian Hoyer with Josh McDaniels and Sam Howell, Kyler Murray outdoors in cold weather. We are not good enough. We have the fourth best coach in a four-team division. We get the fourth best offensive line. We get the fourth best quarterback. Quit settling for freaking mediocrity in this town and make some moves and fix the goddamn football team. Thank you. Sorry for swearing. Justin Fields was 11 for 16, good for 148 yards, 12 pressures, and sacked five times. Do you know the Packers have won 24 of the last 27 matchups against the Bears? 24 out of the last 27 matchups. That hammer and nail thing we talk about all the time, how the Packers are the hammer and the Bears are the nail, that again reared its ugly head again Sunday at Lambeau Field. The Bears continue to struggle. Do you realize they're going to stay home cap for the, again, the 12th time since 2009? No playoffs. No lights on at Soldier Field. Not playing on the road in a playoff scenario. Once again, the Bears are going to stay home 12th time since 2009. You know what I'm tired of? Here's what I'm tired of. I'm so tired of the Justin Fields victimhood. You know, because he's not a victim. Because I know some like to be able to put him in that pos- in position of being a victim. He is not a victim. He, Justin Fields, is one of the reasons why the Bears' offense stinks. It's not all on Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator. It's not all on the offensive line and the lack of weapons or the weapons that the Bears do have. It's on Justin Fields as well. Either you can look in the mirror as a Bears fan or you can turn a blind eye to it. The bottom line is the results are the same. The results are that the Bears are staying home again. No playoffs again. And if you're good with that, that's fine. But I'm not good with it as a Bears fan. The idea of having a team is to be able to get in the postseason, do something in the postseason, get to the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl. And the idea that Justin Fields is just over here by himself as some victim because the Bears won't supply him with enough talent or the Bears don't have a good offensive line or the Bears don't have a good offensive coordinator is just garbage to me. It's just excuses. All of it is not good enough. You want to carve up the blame pie and just say, this is all Luke Getze. Fire him. Okay, fire him this morning. Let him be part of the Black Monday. Fire him this morning. No problem. But are you sure that if you just change the offensive coordinator that Justin Fields will be a better quarterback, that the offense will hum? Let me just give you uh, not necessarily a reason, but an example of how an offensive line can be able to flourish even when you have moving parts. Captain, you know that that Sunday night game, we saw Buffalo against Miami. Miami has not had the same offensive line all season. It has been moving parts all season around Tua. You know, where Buffalo, they've had the same offensive line the entire season. So when we talk about, well, the offensive line is the problem, okay, so that means you go to the draft of free agency and get new players. Are you sure Justin Fields would be a better quarterback because of it? You get a new offensive coordinator, are you sure Justin Fields? Because, again, my point is, Cap, is that when you take a look at this team, this Chicago Bears team, in the last three road games, the Vikings, the Browns, and the Packers, you score one touchdown, one touchdown. In the last three road games, 
One. Can I add something to what you just said? My which point, I my, love it. My, my point is, is that when you blame the offensive coordinator only or the offensive line or Matt Eberflus, what about the guy that with the ball in his hands, the line share of the time? What about that guy? You're correct. There's teams out there that have had like moving parts of the offensive line all season but find a way. You know why? Because they got better systems than the Chicago Bears do. That's my point. So love your passion. Love it. You know I love when you get fired up. The one touchdown you speak of in the last three road games yeah. was a one-yard drive that took, including penalties, eight plays to go one yard. Eight! And you had to throw it to get it in the end zone. Cole Komet, touchdown. One yard. That's what you did in three road games with this guy at quarterback. We are not good enough on so many levels. Boy, the defense looks amazing. Yeah, I saw Aaron Jones just slice and dice. Oh, punt, pinned him deep. Yeah, what did it take him? Two plays or one to go 75 yards on a crosser. See you later. Thanks for coming. Have a good day. Next thing you know, ball's in the end zone. Well, they only gave up 17 points. Jay Moore and I were talking about this before when I walked in. Mm -hmm. They missed a field goal. They effed up the end of the first half till LaFleur broke his headset. So that's six more points. Sure. And they dropped two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know who the best player on the field was yesterday? Mm. Kenny Clark, the big fat run stuffer in the middle, is amazing. You know who I thought was awesome too? Tyreek Stevenson. Sure. Had a, a tremendous game. Tremendous day. Tremendous. There are pieces here to build with. Your head coach isn't good enough. Your quarterback isn't good enough. Your coordinator on the offensive side of the football isn't good enough. Period. Yeah, but the pro- problem is is that, yes, the Bears do have the pieces, but the pieces are fractured, Cap. The pieces are fractured. What I mean is is that you could say, hey, Tyreek Stevens had a great game. Yeah, but what about the offensive line? What about Justin Fields? What about how uh, DJ Moore had a terrific game, but then the next step is just a whole drop down to Cole Komet and EQ St. Brown? All I'm saying is that when I watch upper echelon teams in the NFL, when we look at a game – I'll just give the Sunday night game for example. Josh Allen. Josh Allen has had three turnovers himself. Mm-hmm. He, we already know he's a turnover machine. Yep. But it's the ability to say, okay, I screwed up. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to keep us in the ball game. Yeah, I turned it over. Yeah, but you know what? They still found a way to win the football game. That's where the Bears need to be. That if Justin Fields isn't good enough, then the Bears can find themselves in a, in a position to pull the nose up and still win ball games. This team has to be almost perfect to win a football game. Having one touchdown in the last three road games of this season says all you need to know. We tried to give the Bears a benefit of the doubt with their wins against Atlanta and Arizona. So, okay, at least you feel like you have some momentum. In the locker room, as you well know as a coach, it matters, right? No matter who you play, no matter what the one-loss record is on the other side, if you felt like you've won a football game in this league, it is an accomplishment. It's like, oh, and some would say, oh, this is Patsy's. It's in Atlanta. It's just Arizona. Okay, but you thought you had some momentum going into the Green Bay game. But you couldn't overcome Green Bay's mistakes. They'll own your own. And that's where the Bears are. And I don't know how that gets better next year. That's the thing. Even with me being as optimistic as I am about what's next for, uh, for Poles and for Warren, I don't know how that gets better next year. Draft, free agency, anything else. Because if you can't get the quarterback right, it's going to look just like it did this year. Same thing. So if you're Brian Gutekunst, that's the GM of the Packers. GM of the year. Go ahead. He's in the discussion now. The guy down at uh, Casario in Houston did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. Hired D'Amico Ryans, drafted C.J. Stroud, traded a future number one to get Will Anderson, who's a beast from Alabama. Really, really good. Uh, the people in Cleveland kept running in. Five different quarterbacks started a the game. They're going to the playoffs. Really good. If you're Brian Gutekunst, whatever happens in Dallas is gravy because they're the youngest team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The sideshow, known as Aaron Rodgers, he plays for New York now. One more offseason and you get all his money off the books. Sure. He got so much grief when he drafted Jordan Love. And traded up, I think, to 27 to grab him. I got to get that guy. Guess what? If I'm him, I slept really good last night. Hey, I got the best quarterback in my division. I got the youngest roster. And I'm going to go add some more weaponry now. Yeah, I'd feel pretty good if I was him. I like our GM here very much. Mm -hmm. The roster is markedly better. 
but it's not good enough. And if the settlers that run the Bulls are the same group that are running the Chicago Bears, well, we're going to run it back. We're going to have Justin here, and we're going to get more draft picks, and we'll keep Coach Eberflus and Coach Getzi. Then you don't truly care about winning, and I don't want to hear that Kevin Warren's going to change things. Because if you run all this stuff back, it's the same old Bears. Well, I, listen, I have no problem with stability if you can guarantee me that the Bears will be in the playoffs next year. If you can guarantee me that. And I and you know what? That's not a guarantee no matter what they do in the offseason cap. Like you look, Kevin Warren can say, I like the the progress from three to seven wins. And I know a lot of Bears fans are good with that. Three to seven wins. I'm not good with it because I prefer the playoffs. Just because I predicted seven and ten for the Bears doesn't mean I want to be right. I want to be wrong about it. So it's like, hey, they far exceeded the seven seven wins. They were a much better football team. But stability, fine. But if you're not going to go to the playoffs and you're still in that treadmill of mediocrity, then where are you doing? Then where are you going? It's about trying to be where the Lions are right now. It's about trying to be where the Packers are right now as far as trying to be in the upper echelon, the NFC North, let alone the NFC. And so that's what I'm looking at right now. And by the way, when, when Jay Moore said that there is improvement, you have to look at the three to seven wins and say that's improvement. Yes. But what does that really mean in the long run with this team? That's the whole thing. They have got to upgrade a lot of spots. And number one for me is quarterback. He's not bad. I'm not here denigrating the young man. He's a great person. His teammates adore playing with him. He's got a work ethic. He's a tough guy. Memo to the NFL refs. That was a flagrant, unnecessary roughness. Late hit on the quarterback. How he doesn't ever get a call, it it mystifies me. Mystifies me. But you're just not good enough. Period. You're not. I'm just asking you how many games in this offensive happy league can you play a game and not get into the end zone? How many times you got to, I mean, in this league where referees are helping you and you've got pass interference left and right and there's flags all over the field that slow down the play, how many games can you play where you can't get into the end zone? You're correct. The Minnesota win, everyone's, wow, we got hot. You have four interceptions of Josh Dobbs, who stinks, and you never scored a touchdown. The, yesterday, never got in the end zone. No, I, I am done with the Justin Fields victimhood. I couldn't care less what anyone else has to say about it. I'm done with it. There's this whole thing where he's got the ball in his hands, a lion's share of the time. It's like, well, he just doesn't have weapons. He just doesn't have an offensive line. He, he has to be able to lead this offense. He has to do that. This whole thing where it's just like, well, you know, everyone else is at blame except him. He's part of the problem as well. And also Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator. No, he's not the worst offensive coordinator of the National Football League. But what I'm saying is with the weapons that's there, there's got to be other ways to be able to get into the end zone. Uh, it's a bottom line business to me. Do, am I a guy that plays results? You're damn right I do. Because the result is a loss. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I, yeah. I play the results. Yeah. Guess what? They lost. So I have the right to play, play the results. DJ Moore, very interesting after the game, talking about play calling. Listen very closely to these 21 seconds. I think it's fine. No. Uh, like I said, it just comes down to us being explosive on, on the offensive side. Uh, the, we got the players to do it. We got, we got our quarterback to do it. You know, everything else, just, we just need to call the plays that put us in position to have explosive down the field or catching runs like, like we did today. So... We just got to be an explosive team and, and not a team that's just behind the sticks. What do you think of that? Look, some are saying that's a big shot at Luke Getze. Luke's not, again, I thought Tommy Waddle had the best quote. He's not Bill Walsh. He's not football Satan. So I, was, I was going back and forth with somebody yesterday. He said, boy, if we had Matt LaFleur calling our plays, Justin would look a whole lot different. He runs the same system as Luke Getze. I'm not telling you he's not brighter than Luke Getze. He runs the exact same system as Luke Getze, who came from his coaching tree. Then why does the, the play calling look different? Because the results are the worst. Because they have Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers back there. They got David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins or whoever you want to put on that line. They got Kenny Clark game wrecking in the middle. They've done a wonderful job at getting to the youngest roster in the National Football League, and they're going to the playoffs. They are a better organization on every level right now. 
That's just a fact. And all the fanboys out there that, boy, we can get a good play caller in here. You're not good enough. You're not good enough at the most important position, quarterback. He's a good player. He's not good enough if you want to truly get to where we all want to be. And that's, hey, we're doing the shows at the Super Bowl for a week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all the above. It's the system, the, the system and the execution, and it's not equaling touchdowns. I asked you before the show, Cap, could you give me an example of a college basketball team from your days as a college uh, basketball coach or covering it in which no matter who you put on the floor, this, the system works? Because ultimately, when I watched that game yesterday, when I watched Packers football, it's as if Aaron Rodgers is still out there. Now, again, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, and Jordan Love is just getting his opportunity to start um, this year. But the point is that the system looks the same. The way the, the Packers gashed the defense over and over again, almost seven yards per, per, per clip. 7.24, yeah. I think. Shea was keeping me updated. Thank you, Shea, for doing that throughout the day. 6.1 yards per play, 6.24 yards, 6.7 yards, 7 point, what did you say? 7.24, I think, was where it ended. 7.24, yeah. Yeah, and so I asked you, I said, give me that example of a team that no matter who you put on the floor, the system is still the system and it works. You know what? It, it, that's a great question that you ask. When Jay Wright won two national championships at Villanova, mm-hmm. oh, we got this guard. Okay, he's graduated. Oh, we got this freshman from... The Chicago area, Jalen Brunson. Oh, that looks good. Oh, he graduated. Drop another one in there. Like, they just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. It's something like that. They don't get all the five stars like a Duke or Carolina or Kansas. They just keep winning because the system doesn't fail. And I guarantee you, he'll never say it publicly. Matt LaFleur sleeps a lot easier with Jordan Love as his quarterback than he does Aaron Rodgers. You're right about that. He wasn't winning all these rings with Aaron. Great player, top 10 all time. No drama. Yeah. Nobody's deciding, I don't really like the way you're calling the offense, so I'm going to audible out of that and do what I think's right. This kid runs his system, yes. and he runs it beautifully. It becomes drama-free. You don't mind the collaboration because Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Matt LaFleur is a, is a fine play caller. But when it gets murky and it's, it becomes a problem in the locker room, okay, that's why it was time for Aaron Rodgers to move on. And Jordan Love arguably is the best quarterback from a number standpoint in the National Football League in the second half of the season. Correct. That, I mean, look at those numbers. It is what it is. And I, I just, Cap, I'm, I'm just at my wit's end about – you know, how people look at this whole operation with the Chicago Bears. It's everybody. When you fail, it's on everybody. You did not achieve your goal. Whatever Paul's goal was, it wasn't seven wins. He's not a gambler. It wasn't trying to get to the seven, seven and a half. If the goal is to get to the playoffs, and they failed. And so I'm just, I'm not going to stand here and be part of the victimhood of Justin Fields. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not listening to it. Because it's not just, well, you know... If it wasn't for Luke Getzu, if it wasn't for the offensive line, if it wasn't for Ryan Poles, hey man, they lost as a team. They Correct. lost as an organization. My, whole, my bigger point this morning is, is that how does this get better? I, you can give me names all day. You can give me free agency all day. But are you sure that the operation will be better offensively? No. That's the whole thing, that, especially if Justin comes back. That's, you make a lot of good points. That is the most lucid point you've made in your comments here early okay we got brock bowers from georgia he's a really good player oh we got malik neighbors or marvin Harris, whoever it is really you're sure that quarterback is going to execute the system at the level of patrick mahomes who by the way in kansas city boy what's wrong with mahomes he's still going to throw for well north of four thousand yards four thousand we've never had one in our franchise so stop just stop. We're not good enough on so many levels. All right. Let's go with some breaking news. Okay. Here on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show, we turn to Shay Norling. Shay? Uh, well, a lot of stuff is coming in right now. Okay. So the commanders have fired uh, Ron Rivera, their head coach. That is official. They've also fired general manager Martin Mayhew. And the Panthers have fired general manager Scott Fitterer. Mm. Okay, so Commanders is open. Chargers is open. Raiders is open, although most believe they're going to give it to Antonio Pierce. And good for him. He deserves that job. 
but that one's currently open is three. The Panthers' job is open. That's four. Washington. Did I say Washington already? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Chargers, Raiders, Panthers, Commanders is four. What else is open? What am I missing? There's at least four and a GM job open. There's some interims that still need to be filled, including in Las Vegas. Yeah, I said that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're going to continue opening, I would think, over the next few days. Do the Bears make a move and move on? That is a question that I think a lot of people want to debate. I wouldn't have a problem if you fired Eberflus. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's the devil incarnate. I don't think he's good enough. I, you know, the, Again, the saving grace that he will go to Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren with is saying, look, look at the defense. The defense got better. Okay, yes, but the overall operation is, is on the come, yes, from three wins to seven wins. However, are you sure that the next year, if you keep everybody in place, that the Bears will be a playoff team? That's the question. As we talk to you here on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app, make sure you share and subscribe to the uh, all the podcasts here on ESPN Chicago, including the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Did you see this part of the news, uh, Shay, when you were reporting that? ESPN's Adam Schefter also reporting in connection with Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, their basketball insider. Commanders owner Josh Harris has hired two prominent executives to assist his group in searches for both a new head of football operations and a new head coach and coaching staff. Former Golden State Warriors GM Bob Myers and Rick Spielman, the former Viking and Dolphin personnel head, who I told you I've had multiple conversations with about Caleb Williams. As uh, top shelf advisors. Top shelf yeah. advisors. Bob Myers is a very interesting name. And any time that you have a sport that goes across the aisle, so to speak, uh-huh. say, I know that you are a high-level basketball executive, but you know talent uh, and you know about people. Help me with this process. Okay, can you explain and- something to me? And I'm going to try not to curse here because my blood pressure gets up. So we get either 89-year-old Ernie Accorsi, yes, 80-year-old Bill Polian, and I'm not denigrating either guy. Mm-hmm. It's just not state-of-the-art. Or we promote Chris Getz from the moribund White Sox farm system to become the head honcho. Who signed a guy the other day who struck out 51% of the time and hit 175. Mm-hmm. But he's good in the room. Yep. Whatever that means. I, I, I'm just aghast <laughs> at how some teams... Okay, I just bought this thing. That's not good enough. I sweep it all out, and I'm going to go get two high-level, successful guys, and they're going to help me put this thing on the right track. And money is no object. Yes. Not in this town, but we're the best sports market in the country. As an owner... And it's our hometown. Yeah, no question. As an owner, you have to be able to say, okay, I don't know these football people, but I could find people that have either coached or been an executive at a high level that can help me with the process. Correct. Then ultimately, I'll make the final decision as an owner. But that's two guys for sure that that you could talk to. Again, for some, this kind of it'll be unusual. Like, oh, you're going to Bob. Bob Myers is a guy that knew when to get out. You know why he's smart? Because he knew that the Warriors would be slipping. Yep. He knew that the whole Draymond Green thing would be too much to handle the whole contract situation. So he got out, and he's an analyst right now at ESPN. I'm sure he'll have to step away for a little bit to handle this process with Washington. But hopefully what you just described, the Ernie Accorsis and Bill Polians, hopefully we can describe it as the old Bears and the old guard. Hopefully. And I think that the Bears are moving forward in a positive way with a Warren and a Poles. I, and I'm, you know, I'm a huge Ryan Poles guy. Mm-hmm. And I, Kevin Warren, you're on the clock, man. Because if you run all this back, quarterback, coach, coordinate, then it's the same old Bears, and they're not telling you they're serious about trying to win. Uh, Open head coaching jobs per Albert Breer. Chargers, Commanders, Falcons, forgot them, Mm -hmm. Panthers, Raiders. Open GM jobs are three. Chargers, Panthers, Raiders. 
So Black Monday has begun, and we're talking to you about the Bears and the Bears' loss against the Packers, 17-9. to 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. Shane, let's open the phone lines this morning. Let's talk about this. Can anyone, Fields, Iberflus, Getze, stay next year? Do the Bears need to clean house? What's your overall thoughts now that the Bears' season is over? 7-10 and 10 is the final mark. That's four wins better than they were last year. Can anyone, whether it's the quarterback, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, can they can any of those guys stay next year for you and do the bears need to clean house your thoughts on the bears we'll take your phone calls on the home of the bears cap and j hood on espn 1000 shot or no shot with cap and j hood on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app that's why i see him in my shot Good morning and welcome in to the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000. And we are streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. Now time for Shot or No Shot, and it's brought to you by... Navi Club Hawthorne Betting Bars featuring horse racing, video slots, sports betting through points bet, and great food like their Caesar salad with chicken. That is awesome. Craft beers. We say good morning to Shay W. Norling. Good morning, boys. A Bears Monday after the final game of the 2023 season yesterday. What a bucket of cold water that was. Yep, not good. But I will tell you, one of the best viewing experiences as a fan to go into that stadium. It's pretty freaking cool. Cody, good morning. How are you? Uh, Not great. Not great. You know how the narrative of this show would have been, Shay, if the Bears would have won? Oh, it would have had the that, Lions. It would have had that Lions feel. Yeah. That it, Lions feel of momentum for the next season. Oh, it would have been beautiful. And instead, it's... Let's just start with this, because right. it, we, we haven't gotten to this yet. This Quay Walker audio yesterday. Packers linebacker talked after the game about Justin Fields and about how the Packers were able to contain him, I thought it was absolutely damning. Listen to this. Whenever we can keep him in the pocket and allow him just to play quarterback and not allow him to run, uh, we got a real, real good chance of winning the game once we can do that. That is a Packers linebacker openly telling the media that your quarterback cannot play quarterback. Shot or no shot, that's the most damning piece of audio we've heard against Justin Fields. That's a shot. I think we heard similar earlier in the season about kind of the same thing, just paraphrasing that if you make Justin Fields a quarterback, again, him being able to have time in the pocket or maybe too much time in the pocket, and for him to get the ball down the field, then more times than not, a defense can win those downs. And so, <laughs> you know, when a player says that, it usually comes from the coaching staff first because more times than not, a player will regurgitate what a coach says. I'm sure that that was on the whiteboard, hey, Make sure you cut off the running lanes. Make him a thrower because he'll turn it over or will be incompletions. That puts the pressure on him. I'm sure that's what the coaching staff said. They saw enough of Fields to know that for that to be a game plan. Yeah, that is the most indicting thing you could say about a quarterback. That's the exact same quote we heard about Mitchell Trubisky, correct? Who was the guy that said that about Mitch? We know if we force him to stay in the pocket, he can't beat us. And I think... Somebody said, we know if we keep him in the pocket, Cutler will throw it to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that too. So that is the last three starting quarterbacks for your Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Not good. Yeah, I mean, but that's a sound game plan because what Quay Walker said is true. Now, again, the Packers are better than, say, Arizona or Atlanta, the other teams that the Bears have faced as of late. But the Packers have the book on, on him. They know exactly what's going on with Justin Fields. Not a surprise that that was the game plan. Packers cornerback Tremont Williams said, we wanted to make Trubisky have to play quarterback. Yeah, We knew he couldn't beat us. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If you were George McCaskey, and this is a serious question here. I'm not trying to be a jerk. If you were George McCaskey, he's been the chairman for I don't know how long, 15 I'm years? I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. Correct. Wouldn't it sicken you to wake up in the morning presiding over another mess like do you does your pride not get in the way at some point where you go you know what call my wife i'm buying a place down in naples i'm going to be down there i'm leaving the checkbook with you mr warren i'm getting out of the way i'm not doing anything i don't want to know just fix it period wouldn't it bother you if i woke up every day and came down here and they're like boy you guys are have a horrible show and you do this and you do 
Like, at some point, don't you look in the mirror and go, how can we be this freaking bad every year? Every year? Yes. What was the record you gave out, Packer record, against us? Three and 24? Yeah. Do you realize how pathetic that is? Yeah, the Packers have won 24 of the last 27 matchups. That is as pathetic a stat as I've heard in sports. Yeah. Now, now let me just go back to, to the beginning of what you said. If I'm George McCaskey, am I presiding over a mess? No, we know what a mess is with the Bears. These are just big decisions. That's actually a good thing, Cap. It's actually a good thing that the Bears have to put their big boy pants on. And I know Kevin Warren's going to have a lot more to say this year than last year. I hope. He'll, no, he's going to have more to say. The camera was on him yesterday, and he's watching it, and he'll confide when polls, and they'll go back and forth on this whole thing. But it's not a mess the way we know a mess. Who's going to be the head coach? And, oh, my God, this team is, is the, the worst in the National Football League because it's not. It's not the worst team in the National Football League. Now it's just big decisions, big-picture decisions. That doesn't make it a mess. It's like what you do with your number one pick, what you do at quarterback. It, it looks as if Iberflus is coming back. You gotta figure out the offensive coordinator and just plug in those holes. We've seen worse. We've seen worse. This isn't the mess that we're used to seeing with the Chicago Bears. It's just big time decisions. You have to make big decisions that are difference making for this organization. Whatever you do this offseason will dictate the next five to seven years of this team. Quarterback, head coach, coordinator, the what you do with this number one pick, all of it. Yes. This will tell a great story, won't it? Yes. So this is not the mess that we're used to because we know what that looks like. You know, when, when Russ Grimm comes in with a terrible Kuji sweater and calls the McCaskies the McClaskies. Yeah, we know what that's like. Dave McGinnis on his voicemail, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, and doesn't take the job. We've seen them look inept. This isn't inept. It's just a big spot for this team to be able to figure out who they are. They will identify who they are in this offseason and moving forward. Shay. I just found the number I have to read to you because I almost can't believe it's real. This is from StatMuse. Bears versus Packers record last 30 years. So since 1994, the year I was born, Mm -hmm. 60 games played. The Bears record, 13 and 47. I mean, that's truly, like, again, if I was George McCaskey, and this is not me trying to be a jerk, if I woke up and every freaking time basically you get your head handed to you at some point hey hand the keys to someone else or get the hell out of the way and figure out what is it going to cost me to get this fixed once and for all you know what cap there is no dollar amount (laughs) it cap it isn't there's not a dollar amount to put on this and say can you give me to the super bowl in a, in, a, in, a, in a capped league, one, and two, what you have in the front office, because Poles and Eberflus and Fields are all learning at the same rate. Right. You're talking to a guy who's a horse guy. Mm-hmm. You can't go to the Keeneland sale and go, hey, I want to buy one of those horses and win the derby with them. Really? Which one? Because there's like 8,000 of them that come out every year that want that one spot. Sure. To, to win the derby. That's it. Yeah. It's not that easy. No. I get it. But at some point, what you're doing is not working. No, I understand. But you said how much money would it take. In this league, there is no amount. Baseball, yeah. Hey, spend through the nose. Do whatever you, Increase your chances to win by just throwing money at the problem, right? NFL with this Catholic, no. It's just got to – the NFL is so great. And, Shay, I think you could agree with this. It's so great because it is based on who you can fit into your cap it, the whole league is average or below average this year. It's what you do with that average, though. What's your scheme? What's your coaches? What, what players do you bring in? That's what it comes down to. This is why the NFL is so smart because everyone is pretty much at the same playing field. Now you can identify clearly who the dumb GM is, who the smart GM is, who's got the great infrastructure, who's got it right at quarterback, who's got the right system. You can clearly see it. It's not like baseball. It's like, you know, are the... You know, are the Dodgers that good? Well, no, they've spent a lot of money, but you don't know whether or not they're that good yet. But the NFL, that tells the great story. What was it yesterday? Something like 24 teams started yesterday with a chance at the playoffs? That's incredible. Yes. Baseball, of course, by the time one of the July, eight was us that did not. <laughs> I mean, 
But that that's what the league is. It's just that there's so much parity. Yeah. All right. The Bears have had a few defensive duds this year. I just want to say for me, yesterday was the worst defensive performance of the season. I know that might be surprising because they allowed just 17 points, but Whoa. they gave up 432 yards. You let Jordan Love complete 84% of his passes for 316. You got one sack. You gave up over seven yards per play, nearly 10 yards per pass attempt. You let them go 7 of 10 on third down, and you didn't see their punter once. Shot or no shot, yesterday was the worst defensive performance of the year. That's a no shot. I, I would say the Kansas City game would like to have a word. Were you there for that? I was. When the Bears- what is wrong with this guy? This guy shows up, the defense vomits on themselves. It's Cap that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, the Kansas City game. Cap, Whew. some business decisions there. Yeah, but yesterday. They pulled Mahomes early. They did. <laughs> it was that bad. When Broncos were can- knocking at the door, too. Broncos would like to have a word. Would they like to have a word? Okay. At least you had a 28-7 to lead in that game. You just couldn't hold it. Uh-huh. Yesterday, they ju- their quarterback just played great. The scheme is outstanding. And no, don't you dare tell me, well, if Justin had the Green Bay scheme and he was there, we run the same offense. Our coordinator came from Lafleur, And if you drop Justin on the Packers, it would not look like that. Answer the man's question about the defense. It was bad. It was awful. But it was not the worst. The worst was? The first game against the Packers when they ran up 38 and pounded us, or the game I was at in Kansas City. I think the game that you were at in Kansas City. The game against San Diego, or uh, Chargers, L.A., that wasn't pretty either. Would we get blown out on Sunday night football? Yeah, 6.1 yards per play for Kansas City in that Chiefs game. Doctor. 7.2 7.2 yesterday for yeah, the pack. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen... Hoodie, they were paper on defense yesterday. I haven't seen a defense look that non-competitive all season. That cushion was nice and soft, nice and comfortable. Huh? The Packers are like at Bob's Furniture. Nice and comfortable. Nice and comfortable. You, you make Jordan Love's life all really easy when he gets to sit back there and just watch guys run open in the zone. Did he ever hit the ground? He got sacked one Once, time. Yeah. Demarcus Walker got That's it. Right. In the first Demarcus half. Walker got one. In the first half. That's right. I, it just, I mean, <laughs> and, and again, that's the hallmark of the team this year. The running game and the defense, which has been that way all my life. The, the defense and the running game was good enough to get the Bears seven wins this season. But it's got to be more than that in today's NFL. More than that. Vertical passing game at some point. One touchdown and three road games? But everybody deserves to come back, right? Everyone that, gets dilly bars for that. And that one touchdown was a one-yard r- drive. One yard! Eddie Jackson picked, got tackled at the one, and it took his eight plays, including penalties, to have to throw it to get it in. Oh, now. Here's Shea. All right, since week eight of the NFL season, Jordan Love ranks third in all of football among quarterbacks in EPA. My favorite fancy analytic metric, expected points added. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love ranks third. I'll simplify it for you. He was second in the NFL in touchdown passes this season, near the top in yardage. He had an incredible season. Shot or no shot, the Packers have found a third straight Hall of Fame quarterback. That's a no shot for now, but I tell you what, you keep playing this way, I know it's going to be a seamless transition, 30-plus years of this. Favre, Rodgers, and now Love. That is a shot. That kid has that. It quality, man, can he deliver dimes. He slides well in the pocket, evades pressure. We never got him on the ground except the one time. Yeah, that's a shot. Now, he's young. They got the youngest roster. Oh, yeah, it's not going to end well for us. Hall of Fame, huh? I mean, he's going to have... I guess first year as a starter, 4,000 yards, and it's probably only going up from there. Yeah, I guess from standing from your seat, I guess he did look like a Hall of Famer to you. That was one of the best quarterback performances in the NFL this year I watched yesterday. Uh-huh. What did he complete, Shay? 80% of his passes? 84%. Mm-hmm. Two dimes for touchdowns. Came up with a big throw for a 70-some yard game when we had him pinned back. Yeah, that was one of the best quarterback performances of the season. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that, that that does not put him in the Hall of Fame for me. Not well, not, not my Hall of Fame. He's got 10 years to go. Yes. But his, guess what? His first year as a starter, he threw for more touchdowns and more yards than any Bears quarterback in the history of the franchise. Oh, I get that. If he but, keeps doing that, they, he's a lock. That statue just gave about the Bears as a low bar. Thanks for that, though. Eric Kramer says thanks for that. Correct. But 40, almost 4,200 yards and 33 touchdowns, if he does that... For the next decade, that's a Hall of Famer right there. Mm-hmm. He stepped into Aaron Rodgers' shoes, and they got more yards, more efficiency, correct, better running game, made the playoffs. With not one like, big-name receiver on the team. It, it's the same team as Rodgers had last year. Mm-hmm. Except without that pain in the ass. Exactly. That's making causing upheaval at ESPN. That's the difference. Jordan that, Love won't be doing that. That kid's a stud. Stud. No question about it. What about the Bears? What about their stud? Caleb Williams, we got to wait and see. We go around the NFL. Here we go. Both sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and then he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? If you're on hold, you will be on the air here on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Don't forget to download the ESPN Chicago app. Hey, you can't, may not be able to catch all three hours of Cap and Jay Hood. That's why we got the podcast. It's available now. There's additional content as well. Check it out on the ESPN Chicago app. Look for Cap and Jay Hood and all the podcasts is available on the ESPN Chicago app. Around the NFL, here's Shay Norling. Shay? All right, before I get to some of my overreactions from the finale of the week, just to address the news of the day. Wait a minute. You got It's overreaction Monday today? Yeah, we're going to do, do overreactions all week. Oh. This is going to be fun. We got playoffs to preview. I'm so excited okay. about what we got in store this week. But, Hoodie, the finale, I, we got to have some big picture overreaction today. Okay. So I, the I news this morning. Sit down. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want you to hurt yourself. <laughs> Chico Rivera out in Washington, yep. as well as the general manager. And the Panthers have relieved general manager Scott Fitterer of his duties. It is Black Monday as we await some more firing. Certainly there will be some. Any thoughts on these first two? I wasn't. It's I fine. Wasn't. Yeah, I don't have any money on me. I left my ID in my winter coat in Wisconsin. I'm not happy. So, so you hear that, cops? When you see Cap, no, no, no ID. I'm talking about my station ID. Oh. Well, let's pause 10 seconds for station ID on the... <laughs> Funny guy. <laughs> yeah, my North Face coat <laughs> as we're about to get blasted with snow tonight, tomorrow, Friday again with another blizzard condition type thing. My coat's in Wisconsin somewhere. Okay, not enough, enough of your first world problems. Answer um, the man's question. What did he ask me? So, go ahead, Shay. What and else do we have? Any thoughts on Chico Rivera getting fired, the GM getting fired, and Scott Fitterer in uh, Carolina? Well, Scott Fitterer got screwed. He wanted to draft C.J. Stroud, the owner, overruled, which is his right, but stupid. So That's a positive, actually. He's out of that situation. Out of that situation. He'll get a job like Pace did working in somebody's front office and... Make a nice living and he'll be fine. So he can work for the Atlanta Falcons or some team and they'll ask, hey, Scott, what happened to Carol? Actually, you know what? We'll skip that question because we know what happened there. We already know. Yes. And, and Ch- Ronnie, Ronnie's a great dude. Maybe he goes somewhere as a D.C. if he wants to coach. He turned 63 yesterday. Catch your breath. Count your millions. Hug your beautiful wife, Stephanie, and your kids. And figure out where you want to live. He's he's going to be fine. At some point, maybe he'll be a coordinator. You know what, Shay? In that situation, week by week, you just slowly start dismantling your office. If you're if you're Chico, you know what's happening. You know what's happening there. Ronnie, do you need a box? What is that box for? Oh. Just going to get some stuff I'm bringing home. Yeah, you just kind of know, right? Yeah. That way it's not all at one time. <laughs> you just, like, week by week, after whatever you loss, you just start just, okay, a few pictures down here. 85 bear stuff there. Washing, old Washington Redskins stuff. You start taking that down. Because, you know, by the time Black Money comes around, you're at, the office is already empty. So long, everybody. That's nice. So and then when they fire you and have the security guy follow you around the building so that make sure you don't destroy anything. Oh, no, no, no. We're good. My belongings, they're already at home. <laughs> Knew this was happening. Yep. 
You know, it was something that's old school, Shay. It happened. It was more. Cap, Cap could tell you it was more commonplace back in the day than now. It was always strange when a coach would get fired and then he'd have something to say afterwards. I think that happened with Jerron. Maybe once that too, right? Rivera is speaking to the players right now. But just like to the press, like your, your outgoing press conference, that's always strange for me. Like, you're firing me. I'm not doing this last show. Like, well, let me just tell you, just get me out of there. That's all. Right. I Goodbye. remember when Wani did that. I thought, what a classy man. I mean... He sat there. He's like, we weren't good enough. It is what it is. Ron did it. Like, Ditka did it from a window in the office. This too shall pass. <laughs> this too shall pass, gang. Good. Firing. Like, and he was gone. He was gone. Very strange, though, Shay. And then I remember I got an email from my late friend, Luigi Negroni, the chef of all the Carlucci restaurants. He yeah. was, like, best friends with Mike Ditka. He emails me, and I always, this is way before texting and all that late 90s. And he sends me an email at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm flying to Disney to do the, the WGN show with Dan Filato down in Disney. Don't check my email. Don't have a Blackberry or yeah. there are no iPhones. Nothing. I get a call when we get down to Florida. He's like, I gave you the scoop last night. Did you not check your email? Mike Ditka is the new head coach in New Orleans. He was doing a cooking show with him, and he told him, hey, I took the Saints job. What? Wow. I got to tell Cap. And I didn't break the story. <laughs> I was so It still bothers me to this day. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? Uh, the New Orleans Saints are expected to retain head coach Dennis Allen for the 2024 NFL season, which means in 366 days, the New Orleans Saints will fire head coach Dennis Allen. <laughs> what an absolute disaster that was yesterday. They go blow out Atlanta. Good. Like, everything's feeling good. Until Jameis Winston goes out for victory formation and decides he's going to hand the ball off to Jamal Williams to get him a touchdown. And then post-game comments, Jameson Williams said the team made that decision despite what Dennis Allen told us to do. He said it was victory. We decided as a team we're going to run this and get Jamal a touchdown. Like virtually a mutiny and a blowout wow. against what your coach wants from you. Uh, I mean, I, that was we'll, bad. We'll, you don't have that bookmark for sure. But Shay Norling reporting that uh, January 8th, 2025, Allen fired by the Saints. Yeah, Dennis Allen, <laughs> uh, it might be January 9th, however the calendar works out. It's a leap year. Things get odd. In one year, one year from now, Dennis Allen will be fired as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Right. You can uh, write it in ink. So underwhelming for for Carr, and I know people say, "Well, they're nine and eight, and that's not the point. They did one for, for their last five, but again, that nonsense—that's unbelievable." Uh, so let me ask you a question: If you're running that team, I don't mean the coach. You're the GM or the team president. What do you do to Jameis? You move on. They don't. They have just a restructured game. his deal this week. This weekend, he signed an extension. Mm-hmm. Move on. I would suspend him for the playoff game, like whatever. But they don't have a playoff game; they're eliminated. Yeah. Right. But do you find him? You got to do something. You can't find him 25000 or something. I don't know. Quietly. No, I would embarrass him <laughs> publicly. No, I don't know if you can because then you got the head coach already throwing him under the bus. I I would want this to be as quiet as possible. And, like, if I were Dennis Allen, I would not have gotten on the podium and gone, I called victory and Jameis went rogue. I would have gone... I'm it, I'm responsible for what happens on the field. I messed up, and I apologize to the Falcons. You know what, ATL? You don't like that last touchdown. Stop them. Do something about it. How about that? Agree. Why don't you that- do something about it? I mean, you, you've been underwhelming all season. You have a head coach that has looked fired on the sidelines. There's always a look from a coach. Uh, you can just tell he looks more like a coordinator to head coach. You know, at some point, even when you're getting your ass kicked, you have to have some kind of bedside manner, some kind of appeal you know, you're, you're standing up straight, right? Even in a loss. He's always looked fired, Arthur Smith. Always. Always. Always looked fired. You want to do, you got a problem with the Saints? Stop them. Yeah. Bleep you. Now. 48-17. Yeah, but that was a low-rent move by Jameis. Low-rent. Low-class. Dennis Allen, all he did is apologize, and the head coach didn't want to hear it because it's been frustrating for him. Because he knew he was getting fired. So, go away. You, want, you got a problem? Stop them. Clearly, your team didn't care enough to be able to play hard against the Bears. Yeah, on that last play, 
they they see him in victory formation. They're not even down in position. Seamus, so. he's standing up there telling you how it is. Yeah, low, <laughs> low, low class. <laughs> no, it has no class. Shay, uh, about. Two weeks ago, rumors started popping up out of Philadelphia, and initially I found them to be laughable. But now, I think Nick Sirianni may actually get fired. If they lose to Tampa oh. Bay, that'll be all. I, one in five down the stretch in hoodie. They In that span, they have the single worst defense in football. Damn. At one point, they had given up seven touchdowns in ten possessions defensively against Arizona and the New York football giants. They got blasted at home to the point that they had to bench the starters at halftime by Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito and the New York football giants. Brother, they have lost five out of the last six. It was the same Eagles team that beat the Bills and the Chiefs and the Cowboys. And that, I mean, it's almost like that they stretched themselves out so much, Cap. And in those quality wins that they have just fallen off the table. Now, I, now listen, I was optimistic thinking that the Eagles could win the Super Bowl, but my and and I knew that there was going to be a lot of changes with the team, but I thought they'd find a way. But this is not going in the right direction. It's hot in Philly for Sirianni. Now, my whole thing with this is when you fire Sirianni, who do you have that's better? That's the whole thing. Like you could, who's next? I say you stick with Sirianni for another year, and if it still is underachievement, then if you want to pull the trigger, fine. But I, I, it has been a real big fall for the uh, for the Eagles. Let me ask you a question: If they whack Sirianni, would you hire him here? I would not. Here's Shay Norling. Shay, really? I'd at least make a phone call. Yeah, I would absolutely. Talk I'd want to him. interview him. But I, I think if if he does get fired, he probably bellies up somewhere as a coordinator again. Like, Cody, let me ask you this. How much of their success last year going to the Super Bowl was their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, who had Gardner, Minshew, and the Colts on the doorstep of the playoffs? That's a big part of it, yes. Yes. But at the same time, though, I just think that if there's going to be a down year to be this year, I trust that front office to find a way to get this team better. I thought as is, it'd be good enough to be able to get by in this mediocre NFL, but I trust this front office under Roseman and everyone else to be able to find a way to get this done, to be a better ball club next year. That's one of the upper echelon teams to me that in the front office, when there's underachievement, they try to right the ship. The problem is their roster is so old at key spots. Yep. J- J- Jason Kelsey's probably retiring. Mm-hmm. Lane Johnson might retire. Like Those are accomplished Hall of Fame players. Jordan you know? Mailata's getting close to that age, too. He's not getting younger. Fletcher like Cox. I mean, there's a lot of them. I trust them to try to be able to draft well and be able to plug the holes in that team. I do. Obviously not this year, though. Can they also just do me a personal favor? And drill the final nail in Matt Patricia's coffin as an NFL coach. Like, dude, go work for NASA, please. (laughs) They sent Sean Desai up to the front office because of how badly the defense was playing. Put Matt Patricia in as coordinator, and the defense got orders of magnitude worse. Yes. Now, let me ask you a question. Do they use pencils at NASA? Because otherwise, there's no use for Patricia. Right, he's a pencil guy. Yeah. I would certainly hope so. You 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 know You you also disconnect when you have a pencil... And you, you, you're pretty much utilizing a laminated sheet. I hope his NFL legacy is in pencil because it'll be easy to erase. Get out. Enough. This guy's a total fraud. He was a clown in Detroit. He was honestly terrible as a coordinator in New England, and they were fortunate to have Brady. Gave up like 300 yards in consecutive playoff games to Mariota and Foles and all these backup guys. Now he goes to uh, back to New England where he was the worst offensive coordinator maybe in league history, and then to Philly where he's doing a disaster job in their one and five stretch at the end of the year. Just it, get out. Is it okay for to uh, label him with the clown stamp? Is that okay with you, Cap? Clown? Yeah, I don't use that. Damn. You don't think it is the clown stamp? Is that proper for Patricia? No. In your view? No. I'm not telling you he's the best coach in the league. No. No, no clown. But he's Just, also got multiple Super Bowl rings. Now, Brady has one, and Belichick has one. He had an integral part there. He's Go- not a head coach. He's a he's a smart football guy. He's just not good enough. Google what he said to Darius Slay when he was in Detroit. I'm very comfortable calling this guy a clown. Just, I'm not going to say what he said on the air because it's not appropriate. If you don't know, Google what Matt Patricia said to Darius Slay in Detroit. A brother. Okay. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? 
What happened, Jacksonville, you poor thing? Can we have a conversation about Trevor Lawrence at some point? Not good this year. Sure. Not good. Who's the, who's the head of that quarterback class, Cap? The Fields-Lawrence quarterback class? Uh, right now, I would say there's you wouldn't take any of them. <laughs> Mac Jones, yeah. he was the number three yesterday in New England. Justin, hey. enough said. Trevor Lawrence, he's better have a soul-searching offseason. It's three. Oh. Um, Goodbye. Uh, don't tell me Mac Joe. Uh, Mac, uh, no Zach Wilson. Yeah, and who? And Trey Lance. Yeah. You wouldn't take any of the five. None as your starter. Nor Davis Mills. There's another. One. Yeah, that's that quarterback class. Not good. So, I, and and by the way, there's something for those of you that says, oh, you know, the, the draft's a crapshoot. Well, no blank. It's a crapshoot. But you want to get the best of the best, if you can, at quarterback in the first round of the draft, if you can. Again, it's all about evaluation and how that quarterback fits fits into your system or vice versa. Now, things have changed in the NFL in this regard. Like, could you imagine Timmy Chang today? From Hawaii? Yes. He threw for like 80,000 yards? Imagine today, that type of offense. Miles Davis or whatever, that run and shoot. I think that's what they were running there. June Jones. June Jones. Think about that and at that time. Somebody would have given him a chance. But when he came into the National Football League, you know what they told him? We need you to throw it for four yards, and we're going to run the football. But I threw for 80,000 yards. Nope. Don't care about your vertical passing game. You're going to work in our system. Things have changed now in that regard. Correct. Where it's like, okay, let's accentuate the positives and hide the negatives of our offense. What can you do to help us? Agreed. What did you learn in college that you could help us on the NFL? Not that way. I mean, things changed back then. Things changed. Yeah. All right. More of your phone calls. And uh, it's uh, 8.30, so we're going to hear from Matt Eberflus, the head coach for the Bears. You'll hear from Eberflus and his thoughts about the 7-10 and 10 outfit that's coming up on the Cap and J. Hood Morning Show.